people think that success lies within you. Mm. I've, I've, I've gotten rid of that notion. Mm. I think a lot of success relies on others. It's a symbiotic relationship. He couldn't walk. He <laughs> was <laughs> a vegetable for a week. He could start walking. <laughs> I wanted to get into the acting game. I, I, I always had this burning desire since I was a young kid to like do acting. Thing. It's like in a wheelchair, refusing to eat vegetables. I told you. I told you. I told I November 15th. Let's go. Salute. Doing that. Through like Ableton. Yeah, through Ableton. Just so I can hear myself. Are you going full pro? <laughs> 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 I'm still got the fucking the 20 the 2010. Yeah. Apple. <laughs> I, got the, I got the old aux cord into the MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I. I can't even get to Zoom. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, I still got the two thousand fucking. Yeah. We bought our laptops. I got the Beats um headphones, but they pick up too much shit, like mm. ambient sound and shit. Yeah. It's like if you hear like if you're walking and it's like windy or some something, mm-hmm. it just like makes the wind. Like indoor or something. Like out of control. Yeah, I'm using this. I'm using this full mic down here. It's full mic setup. Look. Oh, you're using that? Yeah. Can you hear me better now? Oh, yeah. Please, <laughs> <laughs> for to hear me. These, yeah, I can hear you through these. And oh, I can... what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you got the whole setup, you know what I mean? But this like, oh, I don't want to fucking have a Zoom. Because <laughs> it's too professional. Then you have a full-on mic set up. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do a, let's do a phone call. <laughs> I thought my phone call was right mic with a fucking buffer and everything. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Let me give us uh give us Ableton. Why do you sound so clear and Kim sounds like he's out in the fucking bush? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got full HD audio interface. That's funny as. Um yeah, let me try this Ableton noise. Try to get this going. What did you have for dinner? Um it was um I don't know what it was called, but um, it was like, so we made the meatballs last night. Uh, yeah. It's like an oregano uh, meatball, garlicish chili meatball. And then oh, it's yeah. like uh, cooked. So basically you get spinach, uh, garlic, onion, capsicum, and then you cook it in uh, beef stock, or I think vegetable stock with rice. Oh. And you just let it simmer for like 40 minutes. Just let the rice cook in the juice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was delicious. It's almost like a paella. Uh, yeah, I think it could have been. I don't know what it is, but Sophie found it. Look, I'm not the master here. She cooks. Does she do all the work in the kitchen? Yeah, she does all the great stuff, you know. She finds all... For me, I can eat the same thing every day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't need yeah. variety. I can have rice and tuna for like six days a week. Yeah, you just love potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> potatoes? <laughs>
<laughs> oh, you love mints. You love free cooked mints, you random. Remember? <laughs> no, he loved. Remember that time I called you and like this was ages ago, last year. And like I'm on the. <laughs> I'm on the potato diet. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that. Yeah, I did not say that. <laughs> Starving, but I've lost weight. All I eat is three potatoes for a day. That's bullshit. I've never said that in my life. I've never said that. That's bullshit. (laughs) The best bit is if I feel like dessert, I have a sweet potato. (laughs) You're the biggest liar ever. I swear to God, you're the biggest liar, man. (laughs) You're the biggest bullshit now, man. People are going to believe my potatoes, you fucking... Oh, oh, that <laughs> shit is the most made-up fucking shit I've ever heard in my life. Oh, my God. No, someone did do that, though, in the UK. They ate, like, oh. potatoes for, like, a year or some shit and lost heaps of weight. Yeah. Like, oh, while yeah. I ate potatoes, I, like, bake them, I fry them. <laughs> oh, my God. They just, like, white potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucked up man i know one kid uh there's one story where one kid all he ate was uh potatoes and milk and bread and white bread he couldn't walk <laughs> as soon as he had vegetables for a week he could start walking he's like in a wheelchair refusing to eat vegetables <laughs> I, I, told, I, I swear I told you that story in year seven. <laughs> Can I tell everyone that story? He <laughs> full had, had ADHD and everything. Yeah, yep. He had was milk and bread. <laughs> that was you who told me that shit? Yeah, oh and, my God. And then, um, yeah, there's a dietitian in Canberra. And then... Um, <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. And the mum came... like. Was the last resort that she came to this alternative dietitian <laughs> and she goes what is he eating and she goes milk and bread <laughs> oh my God. he goes oh what else it's like oh just he will only eat milk and bread he refuses to eat anything but milk and bread oh my god like, these people man yeah, they got him they got him off the diet slowly and he yeah. like his adhd left <laughs> <laughs> His, his fingers started growing back. <laughs> he's looking, you know, oh, the guys can stick, like eat vegetables one day, can start to walk, get off his wheelchair. Refuse <laughs> <laughs> to eat vegetables. Oh my God. Oh, shit. Should, we, should we celebrate or is it too early? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> hopefully the heat sensor. Nah, it should be yeah, right. Hopefully the smoke alarm doesn't go off. Nah, if you've got like a, I don't know, it depends if you've got a new apartment. Yeah, it, I have. It has gone off because I've burnt the fucking rice. No cafe cream. <laughs> <laughs> I've been open the window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting in the room smoking about fucking hell. Yeah. It's been a while since I've had a cigar. Yeah, they're good. They're a bit harsh, but they're nice. Mm. Um, Boom. What are you drinking? Uh, Cognac, V-Sop. 
<laughs> I was just thinking about the disabled kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's so funny. Hey, uh, I, told you, I, I, I told you in year seven. I remember, that's remember what I it like is. Or year eight, or some something like that. I told all my cousins. I told. I told my whole family. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I told everyone. I, I, like you ask Harrison, Chloe, or anything like that. They'll say, oh, the story of the boy who only had bread and milk <laughs> and potatoes or whatever it was. Oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. Oh, shit. That's funny. Mm. Oh. So, I just held that. <laughs> what did you, you do today? Oh, um, oh, I did a, um, actually, I did a whole lot, man. I could have done more, but I did a whole lot. I did a, um, let me get it up. <sighs> I wrote a... I'm doing this project, right? Yeah. I've called it uh, GEMS, a National Gas Electrical Water Mapping Scheme. Mm. I'm going to try to sell it to the government. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go big. I mean, if it goes private, it goes private. Yeah. But I've been working on it for, you know, months now. Oh, really? Yeah, my, like, you know, silently, always. Yeah. You know, I wrote up um, a couple of plans. I got into uh, contact with a lot of, um, or a couple of designers to do the mock-ups. Yeah. Um, so I got designer doing, so today what I did was just, um, I basically had to, I wish I could share my page. I basically just took reference photos, reference designs, reference colors. It just had a, basically, uh, a brief introduction to what the company is for the designer to understand what I'm going for. Yeah. And basically I have reference photos and then like kind of arrow points to, to pretty much tell them the color scheme is this and that, all that kind of stuff. Nice. So, it's so like that's user friendly. Yeah. So that's just for the design. Right? So then the designer creates the mock-up design, and then I can label uh, like the functions that are associated with um, the design, mm. and then I can give that to the engineer. Then the engineer can go off the designs and the like the functionality that I've des- described. Yeah. And he can he can write the code for it, and then yeah. the code that I can go out and test it, t- test the functionality of it. Test, 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 you know, refine. Yeah. And, um, you know, put it out to the market <clears throat> and see how it goes. And then from the market, I'll gather enough data to see, you know, how good it is, see if it works, see if it's even um, doable. And then yeah. from that, I'll go to, I've got, so mum knows a few people, but I don't want to use anybody. I want to do it myself. But mm. I'm thinking she's got government contacts. Mm. Go through somebody, um, you know, on that higher level, SES, that type of level that she was at, and just be able to get into a room and pitch the new program. So basically what it is, is I'm trying to replace Die Before You Dig. Do you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, so yeah, basically yeah. what it needs is basically a digital utilities mapping um, thing based on, <clears throat> hold up, <clears throat> shit. So basically what it is, right? It's so um, companies, contractors, builders, uh, everybody, you basically, um, you sign up using your ACN, your, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You legitimize your company. That all links up. That's all seamless and instantaneous. Um, your ACN, you put in that, it goes to the database one-on-one. It goes, okay, verified and an account, which that account, what that account has now is the ability to find any plan that's basically uh, gas, water, electrical yeah. in your, in your, in a residential address or, um, in an area that you're building in. So it'll show you all the mapping of all the utilities 
on, on, on existing and newly established buildings. So basically cool. it just gives the power, yeah, it just gives the power to the builders and contracts and stuff to have always have access to all the utility mappings on any project, new or old. Yeah, like you know, instead of having to go dub before you dig, they have to get human resources. You have to wait for a time. They're going to come out. They're going to figure it all out on a map. They're going to mark it all out. They're yeah. All this process, all this time, all this, you know what I mean? But if, oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm cutting yeah. all that out. Instead, I'm giving the credit. Yeah. Accredited registered companies the ability to access all the mapping that they need from any utility around Australia. Oh, wow. You know That's what I'm cool. saying? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it's a mess. Like the plumbing plans. <clears throat> I'm plans electrical line plans everything um, sewerage everything but you'll be able to it's seamless and it's easy to like for instance you know if you're in victoria act whatever everything changes so you have different plan uh protocols for every state mm. so the the app is basically meant to simplify all that process so if you're in victoria it's got your location it's got all the relevant uh data relevant plans to your exact location you can type in your residential address if you're excavating new concrete for example yeah. you don't know where electrical lines and stuff are yeah you can just type in the address and then you'll get the plan of all the electrical plumbing everything and be yeah. able to you know what i mean yeah that's, that's smart give the power straight back to the consumers to the people to the builders uh, make it seamless make it fast and more efficient yeah. cut out all the human resource from the government side save them millions of dollars yeah completely get rid of double before you dig and introduce a digital platform a digital program that will replace double before you dig and that's the plan yeah and that's and every, it. That's it. Yeah. And every, yeah. And every single um, site, every single builder has to have a yearly subscription. Yeah. They have to, and they pay yeah. it through their tax. Yeah. Through the tax or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, so like they don't, yeah. So it's just like a, an offset mm-hmm. that they don't even realize is coming out or the, yeah, you have some sort of deal with the government. Government initiative. Yeah. Government initiative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Straight to the tax money gains. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, it's, that's, it's called, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. That's really, yeah, that's so smart. There's heaps of, there's heaps of little intricate things I didn't say. Yeah. Like heaps of the functionality of it all. Like the ability yeah. to save certain plans and yeah. save jobs. Say no more. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Say no more. But there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, <clears> fuck yeah, that's sick. Yeah, so gems, that's gas, so- electrical, water, mapping scheme. Oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's going to make it's... me a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and some million dollars annually. Yeah, annually. Easy. I mean, yeah, just Victoria alone. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Salute. Yeah, salute. That's that's a cool idea. Yeah, thanks, Keynes. I'm sure you'll... I swear to God, you've I had like a wait. million construction ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that, in that industry is stuck in their ways, hey. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like evolving. Mm, yeah, facts, like man. The processes. Oh, you got to you got to screw. Mm-hmm. You got a nail. The nail's been around for two thousand years. Yeah. yeah, I think the building industry is for entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurs. It's the best industry to start at because you walk yeah. into an ancient an ancient way of fucking doing things. Yeah, or well, especially like bricklaying. Yeah, especially from a um, like a, a software perspective, mm. because it's all it's all um, like hardware. Mm-hmm. So how do you integrate software into that process? Exactly to make it easier. Well, 
Yeah. I, I'll tell you off, off the record, I'll tell you about the government side of how they're going to benefit. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Yeah. It's where the money's at. That's where the selling point is. Not this face crap. This is just like the face stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's this yeah. government, man, I got some really good stuff that's going to interest stuff. you. Yeah, it's going to interest you. That's cool. Yeah, it's like, it's a lot like, on the face value, it seems consumer focused. Mm. But in the back end, it's, it's really just for show almost. It's just almost like, here's a great service to use to make your life easier. Yeah. But really, the, the service beneath it, it has a whole yeah. other purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, what have you been up to, man? Like, what have you been up to? I'm glad. Oh, this has been months in the process. Not today, but this has been months. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah, what have you been uh-huh. up to today? I saw you doing that thing on Instagram. That was amazing. Oh, kayaking? Kayaking, no, doing your uh, acting, your videoing, all that, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was cool. That was, a, that was really cool. So, like, um, so what, how that stemmed from, like, I was doing a, a theatre project mm. um, at Belvoir about... Oh, it would have been close to six weeks to, no, oh, maybe even two months ago now. What's a what's a Belva? Belva Street Theatre. That's like um. Oh, okay. Yeah, like one of the um most um prestigious theatres in Australia. Oh, wow! Oh, wow! Yeah, we was doing something there, and then like um, one of the as part of like the um our presentation, we had to build pretty much a show from scratch, mm. and then so um we had the director. But we also had like a script supervisor and his name is Gabe mm. Satu. And so um, the, the director, Fia, he wanted to not only make the actors do their thing, which is act, he wanted the actors to write, write narratives into the show. Yeah, so, fun as. Yeah, so Gabe was there to help us like um, write our own material to present um, to the, the producers at Belvoir. Fuck. And then, so that from, so we, as you know, we had the, the Belvoir Street Theatre, um, it was called a lockdown residency program. And then I had the two pilots. Mm. And then, um, after, and then Gabe was like um, supervising on the pilots as like a, um, as a continuity person. Mm. So to make sure the shots line up and that like, um, yeah, all the, the dialogue is correct and all that sort of stuff. But after, after the production of um, Didi and Parramatta, the two pilots, he was doing mm. his own um, um, pilot series. Yeah, okay. That he wrote. <coughs> and um, like the cast was very specific. It was, it was very specific to like um, people of like um, Samoan descent. Yeah, and I thought so. Uh, yeah, he's Samoan himself. Mm. And so he wrote the script, um, which is very relatable to his culture. And they were like speaking in um, their mother tongue. How did how do you feel about that? Getting exposed to that? Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. I said I asked him when we were at Belvoir Street Theatre, and I was talking to him about it. I asked him to send me a script just because I wanted to um, give it a read. Mm. And then I could see that there was um, Samoan um, dialogue in there, and I said, "Oh, are you going to um, put subtitles?" <laughs> and he goes, "No, I'm not doing subtitles." Mm. And I was like, "Oh, good." Yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. And he goes, no, I'm going to make it really obvious. Like, you almost don't even need the subtitles for the audience. Mm. Because it was just, you know how you can, like, someone says something and then it can just be a reaction off that. Yeah, they're, they're like, doing something. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's obvious. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. And then so he had this um, this pilot. It was called um, Breaking Bread. Mm. And um, 
So like I, I'm, I've got my own screenplay in the works like that I'm writing. Oh, beautiful. And so I really would just want to expose myself to just everything, not yeah. just acting. It's admirable. That's yeah. right now. It's I want to see. Yeah, I want to see what's behind the camera. I want to know like mm. all the intricacies, all the different things, how the director of photography works, how they interact with the <laughs> director, how they interact with the first assistant director, the second AD. All yeah. What happens in like, because I'm like, I have crew meetings, uh, cast meetings, sorry. I don't know what the hell they talk about in a crew meeting. What are they True. worried about? You know, like, what are they, mm. what are they concerned about? What's their, what do they need to achieve? Mm. And then, so I reached out to Gabe and I said, oh, because I just said, if you need a hand at all on like, uh, when you set, that's, I love that. So if you need a hand at all, I don't care what it is. I don't care at all I've, I've got no ego and i don't care if it's picking up rubbish i don't give two mm. shits i'll be there if you need a hand and then he goes oh actually i need a runner and i was like oh done do i know what a runner is no got no idea <laughs> <laughs> and then so um, and then so yeah he goes oh i need a runner um it's a it's a, it's a position that's um overlooked but it's mm. like it's vital to a set so okay. Like, yeah, no worries. I'll be um, I'll be super keen. Lock me in. One of the shoot dates. Lock me in. Yep. And then so we had it on the weekend, and then um, I just yeah, how was it? Yeah, it was it was really cool, man. It was really cool. I was just pretty much, I wasn't really being a runner. I was just ghosting the director. Oh really? <laughs> the whole time I was just ghosting the director, the director of photography. Yeah. Um, and the and the content. Oh, that'd have been so cool, man. Yeah, it was, it was so cool just like to see and then like just to see all the different angles and then the lighting changes to like make their eyes pop out more and then just all the really like really subtle things. Yeah. And then you had like the video village and then like it's just like straight feedback from these like awesome cameras. They're like red cameras or 6K cameras. Shit. And then, yeah, they're like, oh. It would have been yeah, like 100k man. worth of equipment just on set. Fuck. It's, it's like video equipment. And it was just like, yeah, it was, it was yeah, really yeah, nice that's, to like sit back. Yeah. You've experienced something that yeah, so cool. many people would love to just, yeah. man, the, yeah. like being able to ghost a director and be in the fucking yeah. moment and see like yeah. the angle. Man, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even, just, I didn't even ask him. I was just like, kind of like, just seeing what, was, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And then that's like, how you do it. Yeah, and then seeing like all the the different shots, and then like because they might have like one scene, and then get all the different angles, obviously. Yeah. And then, and then to see what ones they like enough to go to print, which will go okay. to the editing room. Print. What do you mean to print? So like, to say it's you and I are talking dialogue. Yeah. And then um. So it's just like a say it's like an over the shoulder shot, yeah. And then they're focusing in on you. It's like it's say it's a say mid shot, like what this is right now. It's a mid shot. Mm. And then okay. say say the dialogue was good, the lighting was good, um, everything about the scene was good. The if the director yeah. was happy, he would he would say that's going to print. So that one okay. out of out of say the three takes that we've done, that one's the good one. It's yeah, fast print. tracked. Yeah, it's going to print, cut all the rest, next shot, boom, straight. Really? Down. That's it. All yeah, right. Boom. Wow. Yeah, the DP goes, are you happy? Director goes, yep, print, boom, next one. 
and just then, like yeah. that. How many, how many, how many, like, for instance, uh, to do one scene, how many hours does it take? And how many, like, shots does it usually take? It depends how many, how many actors are in the scene mm. and then what they're trying to capture in the scene. Okay. Like, for instance, uh, it's just a, uh, a sad scene. How many, just how say, many shots does it take before? Yeah, we'll say it's... For um, people who don't have a clue, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, so you would have to do like a, a wide shot to set this... Okay. To, you'd first off start with like an establishing wide shot. And then, yep. so that's just setting where they are. That's a wide shot. Are they in a room? Yep. Are, they in a, are they on a table? Where are they? So that's a wide shot. Okay. Yep. I'd probably do like... Um, wide shots are pretty good because they're not really focusing on too much of the English thing. Yeah, so they'll mm. do a wide shot and then they'll do, uh, depending on what their style of directing is, they'll just say do like a, a mid shot. Yep. Mid shot, um, maybe over the shoulder. Okay. And then, um, so they'll do that dialogue. Yep. Mid shot over the shoulder. Then they'll do the reverses, which would be the other way on the same angle so they can get the other actor in. And then... And then if it's like, say, a sad scene, they might want to do like a tight shot on, okay. like, on them crying. On them crying, like the details of the tears so you know someone's in pain. Okay. Yeah, yeah wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so All right. something like that could take, depending on how fast they are and how, how tight they are for time, it could take anywhere from, oh, I would say, 20 minutes to, it could take, honestly, it could take two hours. Fucking hell. Yeah, so what some, do you... Some shots blow out. So what do you feel like when you, when you're, when you're there, what do you feel? Like, what do you feel as a person? When I'm like, there. When you're, in the, when you're just in the, like when you're in the moment, in the middle of, I mean, does it go, uh, like, does time just disappear or does, when you're, like, where's your I'm head at? As a crew? Just or? in general, when you're in that, like in your space that you love, what happens? Like what goes through your mind? What makes you tick? What happens? Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, uh, to be honest, it's just nothing happens then other than you're completely present in the moment. Yeah, that's the Which, one. Yeah, there's, it's not like, oh, you just, you're present in the moment. Your mm. eyes are fully open. Your ears yeah. are ready to listen and not just take in the information, but you want to absorb it. Yeah, okay. Time just goes, boom, gone. Hours upon hours. Yep. You're you in know, the zone. A 12-hour day. Beautiful. Last, you know, it feels like a six-hour day. A twelve-hour day is yeah. Like, that's how you love it. Yeah, that's when you know you. That's when you know you like you're in the mm. flow state, and you're like you don't give it. Yeah, the flow state. Yeah, like a yeah. flow, you're in like a flow state. You don't care about. You don't care about time. Where you need to be tomorrow. What do you need to do tonight? What do you got? You're just there in the moment, observing, taking it in. You're just you're mm. being. Um, you're not being. You're you're being. Um, yeah, you're not being self-conscious. You're being conscious of where you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not being. You're not. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's just, I've never been. Yeah, I've never been in that world. The closest I ever got to being in that world was uh, school. Doing that, you know, how I did that old man thing in front yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's as far yeah. as I got. And that was weird. That was the weirdest thing that I ever did because it's like, yeah. in those moments, you are. You're kind of like, well, I'm just doing my. Thing. Yeah, and if people react, you don't know how people are going to react. Yeah, you've got no you know, idea if they're going to laugh or yeah. So you yeah. kind of just putting yourself out there, and 
that's the only thing I can relate to is though that one like thing where I was like doing the yeah. old man thing, but that was incredible. Yeah. You know, but I've never been behind the camera and I can just imagine like I've seen YouTube yeah. videos. Yeah. Of nice. um yeah. you know, but yeah. no, nah, it's it's crazy to hear. It's a dream to hear. Yeah. It's it's crazy to yeah. it's it's crazy when you like when you actually are doing it. Because I remember mm. like, it was twenty eighteen, it would have been um maybe August, maybe twenty eighteen. Oh I'm not probably yeah. October, maybe October 2018, something like that. And then um, I wanted to get into the acting game. I, I, I always had this burning desire since I was a young kid to like do acting. Mm. Acting, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't know what that involved or how to do it. I had no idea. I just, I, um, I did like a few little like I did, I did a term at a class in Canberra, and then had. When was um, that? When did you do that? When I was at uni, but I. Could, I couldn't even put, I literally, I, if there was a definition of half arsing, it was, <laughs> this is, that was me in this class. So I was just half arsing it. I didn't, I, mean, I was, I was that egotistical and like, mm. like, so like thinking I was the man that I didn't even <laughs> fucking practice my lines. I just went in the class banking on my good memory that I'd remember the lines and then somehow <laughs> deliver a, a phenomenal performance. <laughs> Every time I went in that class, I muttered, I fucked up my lines, I did everything, Shit. did everything wrong. I never even knew that. I never even knew that. Um, yeah, I did, like yeah, that happened. Yeah, I, it was when I was at university. I was, I was like, oh, because I was, get, I was getting bored of uni, so I was like, oh, I'll do acting. Yeah. And then I did a, I did a term, which was like eight weeks or something, mm. and one night a week, one, and then I, I think I went with probably six. Six nights out of the eight. Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? Like No, no, no. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. But I was so out of my comfort zone and so in my head. Yeah. You were you were you had that ego. Yeah. So we both was, had we've both had that ego before. Yeah. We were like we we're unstoppable. Yeah. I was born a king. I'm yeah. you know, I deserve people to bow to me and I don't have to do anything. Like that type yeah. of mentality. Yeah. I was having a good conversation with um remember Ash? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, he was in Sydney today, and then he was asking me, "Oh, how's Sydney going?" and mm. and then all that, and then how's Nicole going and all that. Yeah. He goes, "Oh, yeah, I remember when, like, when you were at uni and all that. Like, you're always just like a single man. Like, you never wanted a relationship. You like, mm. like you never wanted. Like, you're just so against it." Mm. And he goes, "Oh, Nicole must be really special. She must be like, if you, if that's because I know how you were, it's, I know how you are now." Exactly. And then I said, oh, I said, yeah, well, I moved up, like I started acting and then like it was around the time I met Nicole and we started talking each, each day and like we just, we just had a, a click straight away. Yeah. And it was just like, it was so easy. It was so effortless. It was just, it was just whatever, you know, whatever you think it should be, mm. it was. Yeah. Like meeting a girl was just so easy. And then, um. I was always in that mind, like, no, I don't want a relationship because I don't want to screw up my vision, my goals. Yeah, I don't yeah. want anyone to come in to screw yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want someone nagging me that they want to go do something when I, I'm yep. locked in. Mm. And then I started acting up in Sydney in March last year. Mm. And, I re and then it was, it was at that moment when I started acting, I, I realized that growing up, I always locked away 
my emotions to be mm-hmm. the man, to be the one that holds face in times of um, despair and mm. discomfort. You, you were always a strong one when something tragic yeah. happened. Yep. And, and I just internalized everything. I just locked it away and I just didn't deal with it. Mm. And I thought I was a man, but now realizing that I've, by facing my emotions and by admitting that I actually like Nicole and then that helped my acting progress and that helped mm. me unlock a whole, instead of running away from my emotions and thinking I was a man, I'm like, I'm charging towards them and I'm facing them, which, yep. which is actually like, which is actually the, the more stoic thing to do. Mm. It's the more, a man isn't someone who doesn't show his emotions. A man is someone who shows his emotions to, um, just to be real and to be present and to mm. be non-egotistical and to be, mm. and to show whoever it is that, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to, it's okay to show your emotions. It's okay to, it's okay to not be strong at all times. Mm. It's so a strength it's, in itself to not be strong. Yeah. And yeah. Um, how you're saying with the whole egotistical thing, I think the ego definitely for a lot of people, including me, I know that controlled my life. Yeah. You know, for instance, when I was hitting gym back in, in back in Canberra, there was a whole period where I was so insecure with my manliness or my manlyhood or whatever it is, my manhood, mm. that um, I felt the need to always have to, to, to prove myself as a warrior. Mm. I had to be, like you said, with your emotions, that mine was outlandish. Mine was, I will battle anybody. I will fight yeah. anybody and I will defend my honor and defend my ego. Yeah. I will die for my ego almost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just to prove almost to somebody that I'm somebody that I already know I am. Yeah. But I, for some reason, had to just cut, like put myself in the worst, worst situations. Yeah. To almost prove myself that I am capable of doing whatever I fucking want or yeah. something. Yeah. But, um, but that ego, um, I realized, I don't know. I think there was a level of expectation I had to let go of. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah, right. Once I let go of the expectation of others or people that I even looked up to or cared for or whatever, once I released their expectation, I was free to then create an expectation for myself. Yeah. And the expectation for myself was not to expect anything, but just try the best that I can. Yeah. Do the best that I can. That's it. Yeah. How liberating right? is it? Yeah. yeah. And you're just liberated. You're free. Yeah, you're free. You're free. Yep. Because yeah, this is yeah. I have the exact same thing for me. It's I like know. I think what it is, Josh, is that like for you and I, we're we're hugely ambitious. We're hugely creative. We have mm. a million ideas. We have so many cool things that we aspire to do. Mm. But like, at, there's like a, there's a there's a gift and a curse there. The gift is that we have all of that, but the curse is that sometimes we can't pinpoint and actually do it, mm. which is just our mind. We're not we're not present with ourselves. Mm. Yep, our mind is a bit scattered. Yep. Mm. And then that's what, by getting rid of that ego is that like mm. you're, you're getting rid of the expectations that others have of you. And then I think you're really just delving in on what you want for yourself. Mm. You're, not, you're no longer 
doing things for others, you're doing it for you. Mm. You're being yeah, uh, doing it for you. Which is what? Also, yep. Yeah, there's a word for it. Um, oh, I can't remember, but yeah, doing you're doing you do things for you instead of doing things for <clears throat> others. Oh, yeah, that, that that's the word. Um, instead of being extrinsically motivated, you're intrinsically motivated. Intrinsically, yeah, yes. you're, yeah you're just doing it. You, you don't, yeah, you don't care. You don't care if no one sees what you're doing. Like you said, I've been working in silence. Yeah. For the last three months, and then you say, "Oh, I'm doing. Oh, really? What the hell?" Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you, you're not saying, "Oh, oh, I'm gonna do." You're not like boasting yeah. to everyone. Yeah. Yep. But then when someone does, just they, they inquire and they ask, mm. and it happens to be on that subject, you'll be open. You're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." yeah. You're not yep. like, you're not, you're not grasping onto it. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, so then as well that level of expectation you're not you're not holding it against anyone else and you're also not holding against yourself mm. because yeah if you, if you if say if i say to myself that um i say my goal is that i'm going to be a, a leading man in the film like mm. I, want to, that's, I want to be a leading actor in hollywood i don't go fucking like blurting it out to mm. like Oh, what do you do? Oh, I, I'm, I, I'm in IT. And then like, if they are somehow, I'm an, I, I do acting. Yeah. It gets lower and lower and lower. It'll end up, oh, what's your goal in acting? And I'll just say, I won't say, oh, just, uh, I'll just do it for fun. I'll say, I'm, I'm doing Be honest. It. Yeah, I'm just honest. But if you, if you hold that in tight and you don't, if you don't tell it, mm. I, I, I truly believe if you don't say it, you're creating doubt within yourself. Mm. Oh no, hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. If you, don't, yeah. if you don't say it, you don't believe it. Yeah. If you can't say it to someone else, you can't say it to yourself. Oh man, that's yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. That's just that's just that's yeah. almost like it should be um, obvious truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's facts. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> Yeah, but it's true though. Like, yeah, and it's <sighs> it's hard to do too because you like you you're worried about like when you first do it you're like oh what were they gonna say they're gonna laugh at me oh man like Nettie or whatever who was that that girl who was that girl you're talking Breeze. to Breeze Breeze yeah, yeah. In the, about about the library thing oh what was that uh, what happened Breeze yeah Breeze yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about your future. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she, and she was like, um, and she said, oh, I want to be a curator for a, um, a library, mm. something like that. Yeah. 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 She I wanted to be a, a library, a librarian, historical yeah. librarian or something. Yeah. Historical librarian. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And then you were, and then she said, <laughs> what do you want to be? And then you said you wanted to be a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah and then like she like you were brave enough to like say what you wanted to be yeah and then she what we fear like kind of happened with you she mm. said oh what a dumb idea what do you mean you want to be a billionaire yeah yep you know i liked I mean? it too yeah and and you know what like who gives a fuck what anyone else thinks this i'm i'm speaking my own truth yeah i don't care if it has to be it doesn't have to be your truth mm. i don't I didn't give two shits if it's your truth or not, because I know within myself yep. that it is, it's truth, it's facts. Yeah. 
And it's not a matter of um, if, it's a matter of when. Exactly. And it's not a matter of opinion. Yeah. It's not yeah. an opinion. It's not a, yeah. It's not, it's not like, oh, I'm telling you what I want to do. And then you give me your opinion of, of why I shouldn't do it. It's not an opinion. It's not a question. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you ask me what I want to do. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. Yeah. You to tell me, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. That just, that just shows the limitations, one, on your own thinking straight yeah. away. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So you've got the limitations on your own yeah. uh, beliefs or your own way of thinking. It's like, okay, so I already know where you stand. Yeah. You're going to be a librarian. Sure, you'll probably be a very successful librarian, but that's yeah. all. You, that's as far as you're going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Me, I said straight away, I've been saying I want to be a billionaire since you've known me. Yeah, since I've known you. Right? And then, look, I did this whole music journey. I moved here. I did this huge music journey, huge yeah. growing thing, right? Yeah. And this, it was like a full circle moment. You know, yeah. I was busting my ass 14 hours a day, trying to write, trying to learn, trying to soak everything in, trying to create masterpieces, trying to do anything to make something successful. Yeah. What I forgot along the way was the reason why I started. And the reason why I started was to heal. Simple yeah. as that was yeah. to heal. I wrote because I was in pain. I wrote because I needed to express how I felt. I wrote yeah. because I needed to get it out. Yeah. And so that's where all my stuff, that's why when I was writing, a lot of stuff that I wrote, I'd never shared it with anyone because it just didn't mean enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. So anyway, full circle moment was I was I was I'm busting my ass. I'm I'm working seven days a week trying to write something amazing to show somebody, right? Yeah. To get a deal or whatever. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm doing whatever it takes. I, yeah. I would smoke if I would smoke cigarettes to calm me down or something. I don't know if it helped. Yeah. It helped. I don't know to focus me. I would read read some bullshit advice. Yeah. About, I don't know. I'll drink, I'll smoke, you know, I'll, I'll do, you know, a bit of greenery here and there as a musician does. Um, but yeah. the thing is though, smoking, right. As much as it said, it helps you in, like an anxiety level and this kind of stuff. It was damaging to me completely. Right. Yeah. It was killing yeah. me. Yeah. Not only, not only killing me physically, but it was killing my habitual, um, like basically my ability to one, uh, break habits and my ability to have control over habits because yeah. smoking has control over you. That's it. Yeah. You yeah, can't bro. focus. You can't be agitated. You can never be creative when you're thinking of trying to smoke. Yeah. You can't. So yeah, yeah, anyway, can't. so that, then there was alcohol that was the calm me down and that's a whole mixture there. And then greenery was anxiety. You would have panic. I would have panic attacks. Panic yeah. attacks. I'm, I would hide in my room and not want to come out for days. Yeah. That's how bad it was. That's crazy. Right? It was crazy. I would literally close in my room. door. In this room, I mean, or not in this room, but in the room in this in this apartment, I would what? lock myself in the room and and stay in there as long as I physically could. Really? Yep. And try to hide from the world. I wouldn't want to hear any noises. I would, I would put headphones on and just like just have them on. Just yeah. so like, if I heard something outside, it would just, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to know anything. I want to disappear. I want to be completely invisible. Yeah. And I, and I focused hard on trying to be invisible for a long time. And, yeah. you know, and anyway, what I'm trying to say is that that was all a combination of trying to be successful in music. Yeah. And then I, someday I woke up and I said, you know what, I'm going to stop doing, I'm stop smoking, you know, but I had a cigar, but I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes, stop drinking as often, stop doing this and stop doing that. Yeah. Start working out again, start doing all this kind of crap. Yeah. And once I stopped all the bad habits, yeah. I came to this full circle moment where I came back and I went, okay, 
So the whole reason I was doing this, even though I tried all this other crazy shit, like, I don't know, man, like going to studios and, oh, it's just like, every time I was in a studio, Keenan, yeah. I just felt fake. Yeah. I felt fake, you know, yeah. literally yeah. did. I felt like I would go in a studio and then this guy is a, a producer. I can't, I won't say his name, but you know, the producer I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go into that studio and I just knew he was a fraud. Mm. I knew it was just fraudulent. It was just it, the beats weren't what I wanted. Mm. He wanted 50, 50 of, it just didn't make sense of what I was doing, but I thought I had to, I was so caught on expectation. Yeah. I had to show you something. I had to show my family something. I had to show people yeah. back in Canberra something. Yeah, yeah. Just something, anything to show that I'm not doing nothing. That so you moved down to Melbourne and then you've got something that... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm putting myself in the bad opportunities, bad situations, meeting the wrong people, doing the wrong thing, just, yeah. to, show, just to show the wrong people that I'm doing something, even if it's the wrong thing. You know wow. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm doing all these things that against my intuition, against my instinct, putting yeah. myself in all these stupid, nearly signing deals that would have fucking ruined my life. Really yeah. doing this and then doing that. Yeah. Right. To the point where, and feeling anxiety, feeling like not confident. And then I, I like, I left, the, I left the producer, I left the studio. Yeah. Completely. I made the call. I called the mum, said, look, I'm done. I can't mm. do it any longer. Right. After I did that, there was a weight lifted off me one. So after that weight was left off, lifted off me, I was free to think. Yeah. I thought, why am I doing this? What's the point yeah. of doing this? Like, I haven't released anything because I don't want to release because it doesn't mean something to me. Why does it mean something to me? Why can't I write something that means something to me? And yeah. all that type of thinking got to that end circle where I'm at now, well, where yeah. I was at before. It was, I wrote it to heal. And the yeah. reason why I couldn't write anything more is because I've healed yeah well i had yeah. so much pain in my heart and so much agony in my heart that projected me to want to write and projected me to this direction yeah which was going to be able to make me heal rapidly yeah. and through the year that i've been here all i did was write every day 10 yeah. hours a day i'd write i'd make songs i'd do this and then i got to the end of all that and realized all that pain and weight and struggle and agony that i felt from childhood things or certain things that happened in my life i healed from that yeah. And I thought, well, that's, I'm done. That's amazing. I've done what I need to do. And then now that's why I'm doing business. And that's why I'm back to being, as I said, full circle back to that. Now I want to be successful um, businessman. A businessman. Because yeah. I've healed now. Yeah. That, that music did its job for me. Yeah. It healed me. So now I can focus on what I always wanted to be since you've known me, becoming yeah. a billionaire or a successful businessman. Yeah. Yeah. But I had to get all that pain out of the way before I could refocus and refine wow. that childhood ambition, that childhood um, original dream that I always was like almost born with. Yeah. And that's what it was. So, wow. See, I always thought the, for some reason, I always thought that the business was a cover up for the music. Hmm. Did you ever think that? Um, no, I think so. I never, you know what's really funny? Sophie said it the other day. She said, business, when you used to say you want to do music and business, you always made business, um, what's it called? A non-negotiable. You always yeah. said, I'm doing music and business, but if music doesn't work out, I'm doing business. Yeah. But I never said, if, oh. if business doesn't work out, I'm doing music. I always put business first, no matter what I did. 
no what I would no matter what I said oh if music doesn't work I'll do business I'll still do business and music business was a non-negotiable my whole life yeah well I couldn't help to buy the paper I couldn't help to read about business I couldn't help to think about ideas I couldn't help it yeah but I could stop doing music yeah because I was healing once I wrote I could stop for a week I didn't really need to do it yeah right but business I'm the every day I can't help it I'm just I have to do it yeah yeah, you're always reading up on different papers. Yeah, yep. Always seeing the trends. Everything. Yeah, I can't help it. And yeah. that was what it was. She said that business was always a non-negotiable for you. And, that is, and that's what clicked. I said, well, that's, that's what I've got to do. Wow. Right? And here I am. Hey, that's liberating. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Keynes. Hey, toast. 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 Cheers. Cheers, Keynes. Cheers, man. If this podcast doesn't go number one, I don't know what will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has everything. <laughs> yeah, fire. That's crazy, though. Yeah, yep. That's crazy because you're right. You're exactly right. Whether I liked it or not, or whether I like to think it or not, I had an expectation of you becoming this fantastic, world-renowned musician. Mm. A world-renowned musician. And I knew that you would always venture off into business mm. because you've always loved business. You've always mm. been, um, you've always been business minded, and you've always had like an, a hustle, a hustle mm. spirit to you. But I never like, I never. It was always for me what I always thought that you wanted to do music. That mm. maybe you were so good at covering up that you. Mm wanted to do music that I, mm. that you made not only me, but everyone else believe that you, that's who you were as a person, yeah. you're a yeah. musician. Yeah. But the real Joshua was a businessman. Yeah. From always, man. Always. Yep. Always a businessman. I had to pretend to be an artist. Which makes sense. Hey, you're still an artist. No yeah. doubt. No doubt in my mind. You're, you're an artist and you're not mm. a, a measly artist at all. Mm. You're a fantastic artist. There's no sense. Thank you. Yeah, no, for real, for real. Thanks, man. No, 100%, I always like, not, not because you're my mate and because we've grown up together, mm. but I fucking love your music. Yeah. I fucking jam to it. And I love I it too, it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and I have it on repeat. Yeah. It's not like, oh, that was good. Oh, what's on next? What's on the next? Yeah. Thing? What's on uh, Rap Caviar? Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, rap Caviar vibe with this more. Yeah. Because you know it's a real shit. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, I just, you know, you, you can flick through 100 tracks and the minute you hear a track that you like, mm. it takes like, it takes less than 10 seconds. Mm. And then, you know, oh, this is good. This has got a good vibe to it. That's what, yeah. that's what your music has. Thanks. Like Thanks. that charisma about it, that vibe. It's just not, yeah. it's relatable. It's not like, it's not another, it's not another song chucked on a, mm. uh, uh, mass-produced beat like a rap caviar yes yeah it's just it's not it's it's not designed to be a number one it's designed to be an expression yeah Yeah. that's it that's all it was yeah and then i I suppose that's that's why you started writing it Mm. and making music to express and that that's That's why music was like that exactly that's all that's the only reason why i did it was because i needed to yeah that's it you know that's why i had such a massive gap in in so many things and then 
I love music to death. Don't get me wrong. Music yeah. is my life. I love music. Yeah. Right? But um, I don't know. I just think business has always been the priority. Yeah. I've always thought when I'm doing music, I always thought, oh, I don't want to be too much like an artist and too much um, too flamboyant or whatever because I want people to still take me serious when I do business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I would literally stop myself being too... Um, too expressive. Too expressive in a way like my draw, like my the way I talk or certain yeah. things, just so people would be able to take me seriously when I transition to business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I noticed a lot of people don't didn't take Kanye very seriously at all. It took yeah. a lot of work. It took a lot of artists, a lot of work to become uh, semi-successful business people. Yeah. Right, and people still yeah. don't take him seriously. Yeah. You know, so that's what I thought. But I want to be, for me, I like to be taken seriously because I think that I've got shit of value. That's mm. all. You know what I mean? Anyway, what a weird experience, right? It started that's off with crazy. business, um, a music story, and then yeah, it took a lot out of me to stop music. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. so even you, one of my best friend. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sitting here telling you that the dream that I had of music and all that kind of stuff, I had to just yeah leave. i'd leave it man. yeah hey, it's liberating that's liberating <laughs> it is man. that is thanks kings yeah well, that's cool that's cool that's really cool second cigar yeah <laughs> yeah i might have another yeah might as well another cr- it another creme <laughs> epic creme oh they're good though they are good no they're nice they're really nice mm. really good. i tried to get a stogie but I didn't have anything. Yeah. I was looking for um, the cigarillos. Mm. I went in there. I went into like an easy mart. Like after I, um, oh, when was it? Yesterday. Yeah. I finished, mm. I finished gym. I went and got a coffee. And then um, this is, this was after, oh no, I didn't talk to you yesterday. But yeah, went to gym, got a coffee. And then I was like, oh, I'll get a, I'll get a pack of um, cigars. Mm. I went in there and then I asked the um the young fella, oh yeah, do you, have cigars? <laughs> do you have cigars? And he had no idea. And I was like, oh, do you have cigarellos? Yeah. I got no idea. And he goes, oh, I got cafe creams. I was like, oh, nice. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's probably the most popular. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I started. I started with cafe creams. I was like, give me a cigar. Yeah. And I said, I got this. And I said, oh, cool. Yeah. Stogies are good, but they're a bit heavy. Mm. Like they're fat, and you have to sit with them for ages. Mm. It's a lot of like. It's a lot of, um, yeah, it's a lot of <coughs> hail in one session. <coughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's the kind of thing that you like, you don't want to relight it. Yeah. Once, you, once it's lit, like, if you relight it again, like, the, the, the end's going to be all like, screwed mm. up and wet, falling yeah. apart, tobacco yeah. leaves all soggy, and you're just like, that's ah, not the same. Mm. These, oh. that's why I like these. Yeah. I started reading a um a book today. Yeah. There's one that um Jack gave to me. Mm. Oh Jack, Jack Jack has been good like that. Yeah, Jack yeah, Jack gave it to me um ages ago. I quickly get it. It's it's like it's very business related, like heavily business related. Yeah, okay. So everybody, this is a cafe cream. Oh, he's back, he's back. Yeah. So it's like um have you seen you would have seen this have you seen oh this? no way yeah. bro i have that yeah. in my saved i haven't read it Dale Carnegie. oh you haven't read it yeah Dale Carnegie. yeah yeah jack gave it to me oh it would have been what is it 2020 now yeah 
Oh, it would have been like three years ago. I swear to God, it would have been that long ago. Jack, that's when he was like, he was heavily into reading and mm-hmm. he, read, he read a book like once a month or something. Hmm. He goes, Keenan, if there's one book that I'd ever recommend to anyone, it'd be this book. I've read it hmm. twice. Wow. I've given it to you. And um, I started reading it. And then like, you know how when you generally have a book, like page one is the first chapter. Yeah. This one is like, it's like 20 pages before it reaches page one. Preface, the, the preface is huge. Yeah, the preface is huge. It tells you about the book. And then this book, so it's 2020 now. This book was copyrighted in 1936. It's crazy. 1936, so 84 years later. Wow. Wow, yeah. 84 years later, and then this is um, the only book you need to lead you to success. And it's just about, yeah, how to win friends and influence people. How do you find it? Do you, do you find that you apply it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I was a bit, to be honest, I was a bit hesitant reading this. Mm. I was a bit hesitant that it was just going to, um, because I'm so like, to, uh, open to conversations and that. Mm. I don't want to sway away from just like having a pure, raw conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want this to like, um, direct me into a direction where it might ruin acting, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I get you. But then I, th- I just threw that away and just started reading it. Like, if I, if I have I, to remember it. <laughs> yeah, if I love it, I love it. If I, if I don't like it, I'll just take it for face value. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But it, um, it tells, it's got like nine steps in the book. It tells mm-hmm. you to, um, nine steps. Um, one of the steps is like, uh, read each chapter twice before you go on to the next chapter. Jesus, <sighs> that's a lot of work. Yeah, read each chapter twice before you go on to the next chapter. Um, read the book with a pen, um, a pen, and highlighter in hand and mark anything that you find interesting. Jack has stuff marked in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was getting. So I read the first chapter um, while I was on the beach. Beautiful. And um, yeah, Jack, Jack highlighted something. So it was just interesting to see what his mind. Yeah, yeah. I got look. I got a book from. Um, I got multiple books from Jack. The The Way of the Superior Man. Yeah, Jack. I got a lot of uh, probably four books of Jack. I think I still own. I think I've got them somewhere. I got. Um, I don't know where they are. Uh, where do... Oh, here we go. This is this book here. Yeah, Keenan. I've read this. I've read this book three times. Really? I've read this book three times, and the the thing is though, the Shandor- first time I read this. Oh yeah. The first time I read it, interesting. It was great. But I didn't understand it enough. Mm. Sometimes you read a book. I remember reading Jordan Peterson's book, 12. How uh, what is it? 12 um uh, what is it? Something about chaos. Anyway, I read that book the first time. I yeah. read the whole book, and you know how for me, if I I did back in the day I read the book, I was too stupid. Yeah, I was too stupid to understand what was going on. He's talking about crustaceans. He's talking about like yeah. <laughs> science, some science terminology, some fucking psychological uh, psychological terminology. Yeah. I'm just reading this, going ninety eight percent of these words I don't even understand. I'm yeah. understanding like I didn't understand shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then I read it and then I read it. I just started reading it again. Yeah. Like what? Two, uh, two years later, year and a half, uh, two years later. Yeah. And I'm reading, I'm going, ah, I can understand, I can understand this now. There's still some words in there. I'm like, ah. yeah, <sighs> got no idea what I'm talking about, but now I understand what he's talking about. And it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. So, but anyway, tell me, tell me about Jack's. Oh yeah. Let's talk about Jack stuff. Oh yeah, so yeah, so he highlighted. This is the first highlighted thing I've, I've uh, come across so far in the book. All right. It says, and for me, I'm not gonna highlight shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why? <laughs> I'm not gonna read. I'll just read it. I don't want to highlight it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it says the secret of his success. Um, this is a quote from Benjamin Franklin. Ah, yeah. I will speak ill of no man, he said, and speak all the good I know of everybody. Any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most fools do. But it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. A great man shows his greatness by the way he treats little men. Mm. And I, yeah, I just thought that was um, really fascinating, which I think it ties into a lot that what we've been saying. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. It ties in a lot. And it's crazy that Jack highlighted it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's just fascinating because oh, it's just a lot. People think that success lies within you. Mm. But I've, I've, I've I've gotten rid of that notion. Mm. I think a lot of success relies on um, others. Yeah, codependence. Yeah, it's like it's 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 not a it's a symbiotic relationship with mm. the world. Your success isn't going to happen if the world isn't here. So why do you think that you're in control of it? Yeah, yeah, and that's just uh, it's, it's true. But treat, yeah, the way you treat the little men, no matter how big you get, you didn't get there without being. Um, Without the help of the little men, of course, yeah. that's true, man. Like, yeah, I definitely oh. believe that. I definitely yeah. believe that. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the best book, hands down, I would, I went, I would, I would recommend this to anyone, anyone, even if okay. you're not I don't give a fuck. And All right. it's Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I swear to God, it is the book or the movie. No, nah, the the book. Yeah, Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, to- I told you that photo was true. Did I not say that shit? Yeah, what what photo? I sent you on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, Arnold, yeah. man, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what the hell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I told yeah. you. Yeah. I didn't even know you read that shit. Yeah. No, it's, I went to the barber, like, not, obviously not now, but ages ago. <laughs> and, um, and we just started getting onto podcasts, and then we got onto um, audiobooks. And yeah. he goes, oh man, can you recommend any any uh, audio books to me? And I was like, oh, you got to read Total, <laughs> like you got to read Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like this is a story. It's the most remarkable. If they don't make a movie about Arnold Schwarzenegger, I swear to God, it's the <laughs> most it's the most remarkable story you've ever read in your life. Like that he was brought up in a, a little Austrian village, hmm. poor as 
not poor as poor, but poor, very poor. He had a, he had a roof over his head. They had to they had like a little. They didn't have a bath. They didn't have running water or anything. They didn't have electricity. Yeah. Nothing. They all had to wash up in the um in the little tub. And Arnold was the youngest, so he always got the dirty water. His um they were, he was brought up um just after World War Two. His his father was in World War Two. He was an Austrian. He was like the head of um the 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 police in his yeah. area. So his his father was a man of regiment and like um, had to abide by the law and he was a very like um, a strict man mm. and um and, and a man of strict faith and um okay. and um Arnold is just this like kind of free spirited young chap and like mm. and he somehow he saw Reg Park Reg Park in Hollywood movies. And he was, Reg Park was like, he was the leading man in the movies. And this guy was just like, for his time, he was jacked. He was big, he was a big, yeah, yeah, yeah. big stoic man, action hero type man. And mm. that got Arnold into bodybuilding. Reg Park was also, he was a, he was a world-class actor, but he was also a world-class bodybuilder. He won like Mr. Worlds and all, all of this sort of thing. Okay. What? And so, and being an Austrian boy growing up in Austria, he had to, it's part of the Austrian law and back in those times that they had to serve, I think it was one or two years of army Mm. once they reached the age of 18. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so Arnold had to go do that. And so when he went into the army, um, he chose to be a tank man and he loved lifting weights. He wanted to just get into bodybuilding. He Mm. absolutely loved it. So they had to work like 14 hour days and, and they would, they would always, um, go out on like, uh, expeditions in the tanks mm. and for Arnold to get into, um, to, to fit in his weightlifting into those days, he like custom welded like, um, weight holders onto the outside of the tanks and all this sort of thing. What? And even when people, even when they had a full on day in the base, everyone would be like absolutely out to a doze off. He would, he would get up and he would go lift weights in like the gym and he'd just do all this crazy stuff. And he was just fit as a fiddle with this guy. Mm, and he'd yeah. always, he'd always, he'd be a larrick and he'd, he'd do races in the tanks. And like one time he, um, he like tipped the tank or something. Or he got, <laughs> no, he, 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 he took the tank through like this super muddy patch and all like mud went into the, into the shell. <laughs> and so Arnold had to go clean it off and everything. Oh. Anyway, so while he's at the, so it was like two years or a year, um, enlistment. And um, halfway through, um, they had like a they had like a junior um, Mr. Europe World Championships. Yeah. And so he asked if he could get um, I think he asked if he could get um, like sort of a waiver so he could leave leave the army base and go to um, uh, Mr. Europe. And they yeah. said they said no. So what did he do? He snuck out in the middle of the night, climbed the fences in the base. He had no money, so he hopped onto like just like a cargo train, caught it from like Austria. No, he didn't. Caught it from Austria all the way to Berlin. Rocked up this at this competition, this unknown person from Austria, and just blew blew everyone out of the water. He went on the stage what? with front double bicep, and he was like, and everyone was like, "What? Who is this kid? Who, yeah. who is this kid?" He won it. He won wow. it. Wow. He went back to the base, and he's like, "Oh." I'm in, I've done, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And the, um, and the, the officers, they were fierce. How dare you? Mm. That's a disgrace. How dare you do this? And then they're like, oh, but did you win it? Did you win it? 
<laughs> and he won it. And then, well, and then he was kind of like wanted all over like um, Europe, and he wanted to expand his bodybuilding career, and he wanted to move to Germany to train at um, um, to train at this um, fa- famous gym. Okay. And so he asked for like, can I leave? Can I leave the army after you? I know I need to serve too. Can I just get it waived? Mm. Like, um, this is my career. I'm getting wanted in magazines, and then they like. It's like kind of like the first time we've ever done something like this. They they let him go. Okay, good. He went to he went to Germany, and then um, started training at a gym. Mm. And then this is where he met this French power, uh, not French, um, Italian little powerlifter. And he was a taxi driver. Is that um, the guy that's in all the photos? What's his Franco name? Franco Colombo. Yeah. <laughs> Franco Colombo. Franco yeah. Colombo is this like little short guy. He's strong as an ox. Mm. He he can blow up hot water bottle, hot water um, hot water bottle um, bags and like blow blow them apart. And like he was he, he was a he was a professional boxer. He was just an absolute animal. Mm. And um, he was he was super strong. And Arnold and him both did the weights. And but Franco wanted to get into bodybuilding instead of um, powerlifting. And he saw mm. that Arnold did bodybuilding, so he got into yeah, that's how they kind of like amalgamated and became friends through bodybuilding. Okay. All right. And then, um, so then Arnold went, ended up going to London and, um, he was cocky as anything. Hey, Josh, he was cocky as anything. And he, like, he was like eating on eating fish and chips and all that, even though he had a show coming up. He was like, fuck it, I'm going <laughs> to win anyway. Oh, my God. And he came into the show and won it. He no. won it. He still won it. And then he got invited to the um, Mr. Olympia in uh, in um, the US. It was in Miami. Oh, no way. It was Mr. Olympia in Miami. And so Arnold, this young buck, I think he would have only been like 20 years old. He was young, real young. Just he's a powerhouse, but he's like a mass kind of monster. Mm. He went over to Miami. And then he um, he went on stage. And um, this this really shredded, really shredded small guy, um, went on stage next to him, and his name was Frank Zane. Okay. And Arnold, compared to Frank Zane, Arnold was fluffy as all could be. He looked like a marshmallow. <laughs> and he got blown out of the water. He come, he, he he went from being a champion in Europe to like nothing in England. Uh, not England, in, in Miami. The US. Yeah, okay. And he he um he, that just lit a fire in his eyes. Mm. Absolute fire. And then obviously, you know, he became a world champion bodybuilder, the best bodybuilder, the, the most revered bodybuilder that's ever lived. Yeah. yeah. There's one bodybuilder that any, anyone amongst anyone knows it's Arnold. 100%. And yeah. So that's what a crazy fucking story. Yeah. So, way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, he cemented his, he cemented his um, position in the bodybuilding world. Mm. He, he, he cross-pollinated across different federations to verse the best in different federations to say that he was truly the best. Yeah. He wasn't just in the IFBB. He went all to like the, every, every different federation and just fucked everyone up. And then he wanted to, um, get into the film industry. Right. Yeah. So at the time he, he, him and Franco created like a bricklaying business. Hey, what? So him and Franco, so they, they were bodybuilding, but they, him and Franco, he, 
um, Arnold managed to get Franco over um, to the US because he convinced Joe Weider, the, um, the, the pretty much the godfather of bodybuilding, that he needed Franco to be his training partner in order to be a champion. <laughs> so, so Franco came to the US and lived with um, Arnold in uh, Santa Monica in like a little one beddy apartment. Oh, shit. And so they, they were hustlers, they were hustlers. So they, so Franco, he was a, jack, a man of all trades. He's mm. a jack of all trades. And he, he knew bricklaying. He did bricklaying in, um, in uh, Europe. Okay. So Arnold was like, oh, I'm a, I can do all the talking and then you do all the bricklaying. <laughs> so Arnold, Arnold um, yeah, so they put out, a, they put out a, a, an advertisement in the paper mm. and Arnold goes, oh, Everyone in America loves European this, European that, European cars, or it's like, or Japanese cars are the best. It's never that American are the best. So they said, mm. they said exotic, he put in the paper, <laughs> exotic European, um, European bricklayers. <laughs> European, that must be the best. Oh my God. So they had a, so he had a plan that, he had a plan that they would go in the price jobs. Mm. And then Arnold would say, he would get the quote for the job and then he'd say to the customer, oh, um, I believe that this is $5,000 to get this job done. And mm. Franco would speak, in, um, would, would speak in German. He would go off in his head. He'd go, blah, 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 blah. And, then, yeah. and then, then Arnold would go to the, to the client. He'd go, oh, sorry, I need to talk to, um, I need to, talk to my um, European bricklayer. He's a, he's, a, he's a bit aggressive. And then he'd go talk, and he'd go talk to Franco in a quiet room. And this is part of the game mm. plan. And then he'd go back to the, um, back to the client and goes, Oh, I'm sorry. He, he said that 5,000 is way too, um, way too expensive. It's, it's, uh, uh, way too cheap. It's way too cheap. Mm. It's way too mm. cheap. Um, we need to charge more. So I'll, I'll do, um, uh, I'll do, oh, no, 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 sorry. He said $5,000 is, um, is like not enough, mm. not enough. So he, Arnold goes, well, you know, screw, screw Franco. I'm going to undercut him. I'm going to do it for you today for four and a half thousand dollars. And really it was like a $2,000 job. So the client, <laughs> the client thought he was getting the deal of his life. Oh my God. Yeah. And at the time, and, and at the time that they put the um, ad out in the paper, there was like uh, LA earthquakes. Like oh, everyone, no. needed, everyone needed brickwork done. So he, timing. He, they, yeah, timing. So he, he was doing this bricklaying thing and built up enough cash to put um, money aside for an investment into apartments. Shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he, he just stored all, his, stored all his money away and then like an apartment complex came up. Mm. And Arnold, had he hadn't got into acting yet but he had a vision that he was going to get into acting and he was going to be a leading man mm. and so he bought this apartment complex right what an apartment complex so i think it had six apartments in it so he saved up um i think it was like fifteen thousand dollars back in the day mm. and he needed um 20 to secure a deposit and so he, he got a small loan of five thousand dollars off um joe weeder and then he bought these six apartments Arnold chose the best apartment for himself to live in and then he rented out the other five. But instead of renting out um, any, any tenant, he rented out um, tenants who were actors. No way. So every tenant in this building were actors. 
so so he could like get into that world and like um that's that's a whole other level of thinking yeah and then and then so he started getting into acting and he made pumping iron right he, he was in he was the star of pumping iron and hmm. all this sort of stuff and people like noticed him from pumping iron and then, and then like he, he really struggled to get like any roles or anything because mm. he was this monstrous man who um had an immigrant accent so everyone says you're not going to be anyone in this industry you're, you've got a german accent you you don't have an american accent you need to you need to change your, yourself you need to you need to be um more like everyone else you need to lose weight you're too big it's never going to work mm. and he finally found an agent who believed in who believed in him and then he landed like um from from that he landed Conan the Barbarian and then all yeah. and then yeah then he became he became a um a, a, the world's biggest action star yeah he was star. yeah he, was. he um, yeah. what was that he had like a period where he was doing movies like every year yeah and he had a goal where he would because he was annoyed because um Sylvester Stallone um, he was always making top dollar on his films. He goes, why the hell is Sly making $20 million? That schmuck. Yeah. I want to make $20 million per film. So he yeah. had like every like film, he's like, I'm getting closer and closer and closer to $20 million on the film. Yeah. And then he got there. Wow. And then he threw it all away to, to run for, um, to be the governor. Yeah. But that, saying that though, he threw it all away, but he didn't. No, no, no. That's what everyone else thought. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that I think that. I oh, think yeah. He, yeah, no way did he throw it all away. I mm. think it's admirable. It's mm. even it's even more of an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> to jump even more. He goes, and for him he goes, I love I love America. America has has been the best to me. it's mm. it's 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 a country that's given me all that I have. Mm. I want to give back to the people. And there's only one way to do that. I can't run for president because oh, I'm an German. immigrant. Oh, immigrant, yeah. Um, you have to be you have to be born in um, born in the US to be Yeah, yeah. So he goes, What's the next best thing? I can run for um the to be governor of California. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he won it too. He won it, yeah, he won it. And he yeah. just surrounded himself by yeah, it's just like the craziest story from a, a refugee a refugee pretty mm. much from um Austria who he didn't even have running water, nothing. To becoming the governor of one of the, I think, is the top, the top eight um, richest, richest economies in the world, which is California. Mm. Yeah, I was like, it's oh, a crazy it's story. A unbelievable accomplishment. The fact that he, yeah, it's crazy that it's crazy that he had the ability to have a dream so far away from the reality that he lived. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he had no running water, and he's here dreaming about this whole other life yeah you know and it's crazy yeah. that his whole story is unbelievable it's unfucking unbelievable. yeah yeah his whole a whole nother life yeah completely probably, yeah but probably people from his village thought like living in a different village was like like it was that was a bit alien mm. you know, or, or living in uh in a different german country mm. Uh, not uh, in a different um, country in the US. <laughs> <Same> country. <laughs> <laughs> Too much reds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're telling me I'm getting sloppy. Yeah. But no, it's just, it's crazy. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's like a it's the most wild journey, and it's a journey of a man literally who had his back, and who was courageous enough to say mm. that, um, you know what? I trust myself. I trust. I trust my um, abilities, and um, mm. let's just see where the chips fall. Because he yeah. always he always had that that mindset. You know what? If it doesn't work out, at least I tried. Yeah. So he, he he had this burning burning desire to be a politician, and mm. and the likelihood of him winning was very low. And he goes, oh, I couldn't. Have, I just needed to try. I didn't want to die, not trying. Mm. It doesn't matter if I don't get it. I'm going to try my hardest to get it, and I'm going to say I'm going to get it. But I need to try. Yeah. Because for me, not trying is worse than um, just like failing. Yeah, failing. Yeah. Wow, man! What a story! What a story! What a story to wrap up the session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a story to wrap up the session. Oh, no. I mean, oh, incredible podcast, unbelievable. Yeah, this is this is gonna this is gonna chart YouTube. This is gonna chart. No, nah, I don't know. I don't have any expectation, but you know, it's it's good stuff. Hmm. Oh, you still got a cigar going? Okay. I didn't oh, even um, I didn't even light the second one. Oh, I already knew. <laughs> I got two in the Arnold story. You, so you disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was. I love a, it. on a whirlwind there. I pretty much told you the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh. People, people love hearing it. People are never going to read the book. That's a fact. They never read it. Yeah, well. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think people no, will a, read it now. People will read it now for that's sure. That's just the problem, though. That's just like, can take the time to do something. Yeah, Keenan, people don't have the same mentality. Just take the time to like, because you, if you work nine to five, if you're working eight hours a day, and then say there's traffic on one hour, one one hour of each end, mm. that's ten hours. You sleep eight. You still have four to spare. At least. At least. At, at least. That's just being like, yeah, at least, because not many people get eight hours sleep, so. I get maybe seven. Seven's enough. Yeah. For me, for me. For me. I, I think yeah. it's oh, not yeah. supposed to be enough, but seven, seven and a half. I go to, well, usually I go to bed at 10, 10 o'clock, mm. wake up at five. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, they say, what, seven, seven to eight. Around like seven to seven and a half to nine is like the a healthy bracket. You can't not not anything less than seven. That's just a disaster. Yeah, then that's just a straight headache for the next. You feel day. that for days, yeah. Yeah, it's like you wake up and you, your head's throbbing a little bit. Yeah, but then sometimes you get those days where you sleep for like four hours and then you have to get up mm. and do something. You feel fine. Yeah, but then the next day you yeah. crash. Yeah, you crash. You sleep for 12 hours and you still wake up done. You're looking around, you're finished. Do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, but, um, <sighs> well, what are you, um, what's your plans for tomorrow? You got much? For tomorrow? Mm. Um, tomorrow is Tuesday. There's a few things that I need to get done. Um, you gotta wake up. Um, not just tomorrow, but the whole week. Let's just give the whole week out. Oh, the whole week? Yeah, let's just give the whole week. Yeah, so I'm going to, I've got a plan to go back to boxing, um, do some more sessions, nice. um, hit the weights as usual, um, write more of my script. I need to 
Um, back to that Belvoir thing. Can I, you talk about the script? The script? A little bit? Yeah, like a little bit. Just give people a taste of, you know, what is going on with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I can. Well, yeah. The details. Um, so the script. So it's it's morphed into its own thing from when I started. So it's pretty okay. much, it's it's about... It's about a family. So yeah. there's a, there's a mum, there's a dad, and then there's a son. Yep. Um, the dad is a very influential and rich lawyer for Hollywood. He's got, he's got a lot of power in Hollywood and he's, um, he's got a lot of money in Hollywood. He's got a lot of say. And then this has led him to be absolutely obnoxious, absolutely, <laughs> um, narcissistic. He's a diabolical human. Okay. And, um, the son, the son is the opposite. He's, he's free. He doesn't know what he wants in this world. He's got no idea. And, um, this is having a lot of clash with the dad because the dad wants him to lead in his footsteps. He wants him to go to, to Harvard law. He wants him to do all this. He wants mm. him to be educated. He wants him to be successful. He wants him to be, um, not a dropkick in his eyes. Mm. And then, um, then there's the mum. The mum is, um, she's a smart woman, but she's married this man and this man has, um, has pretty much put a, put a halt to her life. Okay. She's, she's kind of living in his shadows. She's not working. She's just hanging around the house and she, she's just pretty much living off her, his money. He's, she's not independent. That's a problem. So, so the, the how the, how the screenplay, it's all in one day. It's the most fucked up day ever. Well, so the whole screenplay is one day. One day. Wow, one, that's interesting. It's one day of overlapping stories um, of each character throughout the day. And then they all link up at the very end to something unimaginable. Okay, great. It's, all right, great. That's all I want to say. Yeah, okay. But so, so when do you think um, people will be able to get a chance to to have a look at it? Is are you going to wait until you you give it out to the world when it's a, a movie or a... no? No, well, I'm definitely not going to let people have a look at it. Um, <laughs> like the general, the general people, no way. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I got I'm forty five pages deep. I've just I've just figured out the um the whole arc of the story. The, okay. Every little detail, what's going to happen, oh, how it all beautiful. overlaps. Nice. How it's going to link at the very end. I've just figured that out um, last Saturday, actually. Pretty um, recent. Yeah, very recent. And um, sounds exciting, though. Oh man, it actually sounds gosh, legit exciting, yeah. though. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you offline, but it's just like, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's fucked up. You watch it. It's one of those movies. <laughs> it's one of those movies where you you walk you walk out of the cinema and you're like, "What the fuck just happened?" And you can't tell anyone what happened until they see. You just go, "You just have to see it." Oh no! It's one of those ones. Yeah, you just have to see it. You got to see what happens, and you're like, you're always on the edge of your seat. I can't wait. Yeah, and it's just it it, it it'll be a big production just because the set designs are a bit um they're very like flamboyant. They're big. Awesome. Bigger the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but but going back to your question, I'm gonna like um, I'm gonna share it with for, within my um, within for within the contemporaries. Yeah. 
the industry. I'm going to share it with um, people who write. Yeah, of course. I'm just going to get feedback off them and then um, really finesse it. Yeah, do and your once thing. It's, once it's, once it's um, a final draft, then I'm going to form production companies, try to get it funded. That's it, man. You've got the plan. It I sounds like funded. an amazing, amazing screenplay. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot of like um, long, like long shots. So it's just going to be like a lot of like. Um, I like, love those shots, man. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's going to be like a lot of like um, like the scenes are going to be lo- like the dialogue will just be like a one shot scene if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So it's just going to be like it's going to require a, a lot of like blocking and everything, but like mm. the um. It's just going to be like, say, five to ten minute scenes of just like human interaction, just blah, 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 happening, 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 happening. What? That's incredible. Yeah, yeah all these, it's just, it's just going to be, you just I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. Um, you got to tell me offline. You got to tell yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to go offline too now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you, everybody. This is officially episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, we have finished Monday, 9.43 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, Monday. One Sydney. Yeah, Monday, 5th of October, 2020. Sydney, uh, Melbourne. Yeah, Sydney, Melbourne. Ken in Sydney, me, Melbourne. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that's cool. crazy. Both Canberra kids. Yeah, both Canberra kids. Southside, uh, Southside uh, raised. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it. I mean, uh, what an amazing podcast. Very insightful. Loved it. Yep. Man. As they say in the film industry, martini. <laughs> As they say in the business, they get fucked. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. All right, Keynes. Right,